and welcome to Mind and Money, the series where we discuss how what goes on in your brain affects what you do with your cash. I'm Becky O'Connor and I'm pleased to have Greg Davis, Head of Behavioural Finance at Oxford Risk, with me for the sixth episode. It's all about how to cope with investment loss. So Greg, today I'd like to talk about investment loss. Now, there are lots of people in the stock market for the very first time um, as a result of the pandemic. Um, Many of them would, of course, have been hoping for gains, but may have experienced the exact opposite. Um, It can be very difficult to cope with, can't it? Um, You know, what what, what are your tips and strategies for helping people cope with investment loss? Well, I I think the first thing we need to do is we need to define what actually is a loss and isn't a loss. Because when it comes to investing, a lot of things that if the markets go down in the short term, it feels emotionally like a loss. But that doesn't have to be a loss because we shouldn't really be investing for the short term. So there are really only a few circumstances in which that loss, you should be mentally thinking of that as, as painful, as a, as a, as a loss. Um, really, what we should be doing is going, OK, markets have dropped. I'm still investing, but I'm investing for five years or 10 years or 15 years. And the fact that it's gone up or down now is entirely as I expected. It's, it's, it's markets working as markets should work. And I just need to not get anxious about it. And there are a few circumstances in which things really are a loss, right? One of them is if you are, if your portfolio is undiversified, if it is concentrated into a single stock or or a small number of positions or a single country or a single sector, it is entirely possible that a loss there can turn into a permanent loss because any one asset can actually go to zero and it, it can go to zero forever and you know we know that a, you know an individual country can 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 exhibit poor returns for a long time but as long as your portfolio is diversified and you've got you're holding you know assets across countries across sectors then we should entirely expect things to bounce back so then the next thing that comes well there there are only two other circumstances in which a loss in the short term is a real loss the one is if you need the money, if you have to pull money out of your portfolio at a time not of your choosing when markets are down, then that's a real loss. And that means before you invest, you really should have that safety buffer set aside. This is all about preparation. If I know that I can fund my spending uh, for the next three to six months, um, and I can do that out of money that's not in the market, then the money that's in the market, if it goes down, I don't have to worry about that. So that's that's the one thing. The second thing is, even if I don't need the money, do I have the emotional resilience to handle it? And this this is the real issue, is if we, uh, if we take what is a temporary blip, a temporary up and down, and we think about that as a loss, and we let it you know, we let it cause us to lose sleep at night. We let us cause us anxiety. And as a result of that, we act on it by selling. What we've effectively done is we've, we've, we've taken fluctuations and we've turned them into a real loss, a permanent loss, because of our own emotional response to things. And that's what we need to be guarding, guarding against. So there's, there's three rules that come out of that. One is diversify. Don't put all your money in any one thing. Two, have a safety net so that you don't have to pull out money you know, because you need it for spending. And three, just make sure that you are prepared for the long term and that you're prepared to think, well, these short term ups and downs aren't really what matters to me right now. Do you think that um, people are maybe um, not being ever so realistic in that case at the moment about their expectations 
um, for mark for the market and for investment growth. And of course, you know, we, we shouldn't invest more than we can afford to lose. But anecdotally, I've heard cases of people have been putting their life savings into things like crypto and then expecting them to go up in 10% the following week by 10% the following week because it, it went up by 10% the previous week. What can we do to sort of alter our expectations? Well, the thing is there is is you're probably failing at all three of those rules. So one is you, you, you're jumping into a single asset because you get overexcited about that asset. So you're undiversified. Um, if you're putting a large chunk of your wealth in, uh, chances are if anything else happens, if you suddenly, I don't know, you're, you're, something happens to your health or something happens to your, your, your house or you just need money for something, you don't get to choose um, you know, you don't get to choose when you draw that money out. You need it so that you're, 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 um, you don't have the financial liquidity to sit, sit through it. But the other one is if, if you're going into this out of the excitement of big returns, you are setting yourself up for emotional stress if it doesn't happen. And, you know, if it went up 10% last week, it could quite possibly go down 10% next week rather than up again. And if, if your mental state is all around all the excitement of going up, the pain of it going the other way is going to be even worse for you. And, and that pain can then lead to a very emotional response. It can lead to us, uh, you know, getting very stressed, starting to lose sleep, and then, and then acting. So you're absolutely right. Expectations are everything. And going into these things with, um, you know, a clear idea of your time horizon is possibly the most important thing there. The, the time horizon, I think, is is really key, isn't it? And it, it's it's hard if you've got things that you want to do in the next 10 years and interest rates on cash are very low to be patient because there's so, so many things that you want that money for. But what sort of time horizons are realistic, do you think? What, what should people have in mind? Well, I think investors, as opposed to traders who are really just gambling. But investors should be thinking about money they can afford to commit for at least five years, um, ideally longer. And, you know, I, I think it as long as you can say, I've got a safety buffer set aside, I've got three months, let's just use three months, for some people, it might be a bit, bit more. But I've got three months of expenditure set aside, so that if suddenly I lost my income, I've got three months of ballast, the rest of it, as long as I don't, I know I don't need that for uh, some purpose in the next five years, I can afford to put it into the market and then just stick with it. But the minute you're thinking, oh, you know, this is money that I'm going to need in 12 months time to, to buy something important or to pay an important bill, that is not money you should be putting into the investment markets. Because if they do go down in the next three months or six months, you don't have the time to make it back again. Uh, and so I think five years is a good starting point. Um, you know, if you're a bit more of a risk tolerant person, you might go, okay, anything that I know I'm fairly comfortable, I'm not going to need in the next three years, anything past that you can put in. But money that is five years plus, you really should be invested because as you say, sitting with that in cash rather than the investment markets um, is just going to get you absolutely nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so okay, so we, we know that there can be short term volatility and you can lose money in the short term. Um, and that the longer you're invested for, you know, the, the, the higher the chance that you can um, outgrow those dips. But what if you do suffer, are unlucky enough to suffer sustained loss over, you know, two or three years? Um, I mean, that must be really difficult to cope with and, and put you in a bit of a bind, really, because at that point, you'd be thinking, maybe I should cut my losses. 
Yeah, and that that's the thing. It, it's um, cumulative losses over a period of time. They wear us down. So, you know, there's this old um, saying in finance that is often attributed to the economist um, John Maynard Keynes, and there's very little evidence he ever said it, but it, it goes, um, the markets can stay irrational for longer than you can stay solvent. And what that means is you may you may have the best portfolio in the world. It may be perfectly set up and you may be very confident that in the long term, it's going to go up. But the markets can do very odd things and they can do them, as you say, for you know not just one week or one month. Markets can go in the wrong direction for a year, sometimes two years. And Keynes's point was, you need to look after your financial liquidity. So if you are forced to sell at a time not of your choosing, it doesn't matter how good your portfolio is, you have failed as an investor because you'll sell at a loss. But financial liquidity is one thing. Most people who sell at the bottom of a crisis do not do so because they suddenly need all of that money to be converted into cash. They don't run out of financial liquidity. They run out of emotional liquidity. And you can always think about us all as having this this sort of reservoir of emotional resilience that is fine. And if we get some losses over a week or a month, you know, it takes a little bit of a dent. But if the markets go against us for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, that starts to drain our, our reservoir of emotional liquidity and we start to lose confidence in the long term. And eventually... Uh, we all hit the point where we go, oh, you know, I just don't think I can, I don't, I don't think I can take this anymore. I'm going to sell. I, I capitulate. I sell at the bottom. Now, classical finance professors would say, well, that's irrational. We told you not to sell at the bottom. That's just a very stupid thing to do. Actually, it's not irrational at all because by selling at the bottom, you buy something very real in return. You buy the ability to sleep at night. You buy the emotional comfort to get on with your life. The problem with it is this, is it's just incredibly expensive. So if you don't go into investing with a big enough financial reservoir to last out at least three years of rocky markets and a big enough emotional reservoir to last out at least three years of rocky markets, then you need to be very cautious about about going in, which is not a very few people will ever meet three years in a row of of, rocky markets that, that drain everything. But it can happen. And if it does and you react to it the wrong way, it can be phenomenally costly. Absolutely love the analogy of the reservoirs there. Um, and I guess your emotional reservoir is is partly to do with you know what else is going on in your life and partly to do with your personality. Absolutely. Um, you know, some people uh, just have their eye on the short term more than others. Um, we can think about this as composure. So, you know, people who are naturally high composure might really not be too bothered by ups and downs along the way. They just don't get emotionally stressed. Their their emotions are not as attached to the present. And there are other people who, you know, they'll wake up on Monday morning and find out their portfolio has dropped half a percent. And although they know that that's not actually a problem in the the big picture, um, it causes emotional angst. And so those people have a smaller reservoir, naturally. And, and we need to, before we get into investing, we need to think about, well, what can I do to build up my reservoir to make sure that I'm, I'm safe? And one way of doing that is just take less risk. Okay, that, that's one way. If, then, then, you know, my reservoir will last longer because I'm, I'm, draining, I'm draining off it at a, at a slower rate. But by 
preparing ourselves, we can actually do better. We by, by doing the work and thinking, what do I need to think about before I invest? Can I talk to others and make sure that I'm, I'm having conversations around this, maybe see an advisor. It, it, it doesn't matter. There's lots of things that we can do to make sure that we are emotionally in the right state for investing before we do so. And a lot of that is just getting ourselves comfortable with the fact that it would be better if we didn't look at our portfolio in the next three years at all. It would be better if we just let it happen um, because particularly if you are a low composure highly anxious person, if we know that the ups and downs in the next few years don't matter, well, why would you even look at them? Because all they're doing is causing you angst that is unrelated to what you're trying to achieve. So if you have an app with notifications that you know remind you to look at your portfolio and you're a low composure person maybe switch them off absolutely turn them off not only apps um financial media that you know the news the, whether you know the FTSE has gone up or down today or tomorrow or this week or last month this is all completely irrelevant so try not to or try to shield yourself from the short-term uh, information from pings on your app all of that stuff because that control of the information is the thing that can turn a low composure investor. You're not going to change your personality, but by changing the information you look at, you can mean that certain aspects of your personality aren't causing a problem. They aren't causing your reservoir to be drained on a day by day by day basis. You know, loss loss is part of the part of the investment experience, right? Like there's so, there's something to be said for. Not, not welcoming it um, ultimately if you're if you are about to sell your um, pension portfolio but actually you know if you're learning then the experience of loss can be welcomed can't it because it's teaching you about investment and can make you a better investor ultimately absolutely and, and it can also help to build up that that emotional reservoir so it's, it's almost like you know building muscles by going to the gym the experience of doing things will buy you that resilience and I think it is very difficult for a first-time investor who just happens to invest just before a market dip um, to, to have any sort of emotional reservoir ready there. Whereas someone who's had the experiences of, well, I saw it go down in you know, 2008, 2009. It was a horrible, rocky period. But look, the markets have come back and they, and they have come back with a vengeance since. Uh, looking at, at long-term um, performance history, I mean, if you look at the markets, over long periods of time, you get a chart out that goes, what have the markets done um, over the last 50, 60 years? And you draw a little circle around things that felt really, really enormous at the time. So last year, at the onset of COVID, March um, 2020, markets dropped uh, a sizable percent, you know, 20% or more in March. And it felt like the world was coming to an end. If you had just invested at that point, but even now, just over a year later, if you look at a chart and you draw a, a big circle around that thing, it will look tiny in the, in the bigger context. These month-to-month -month movements, even if they're big percentage moves, actually, if you look at them in the course of 10 or 20 or 30 years of investing, they're tiny little blips. And we see that over and over again. The emotional angst of living through um, a month of bad returns feels enormous. But in the bigger, bigger picture, it just really isn't that important. 
So in a way, the, the experience of the pandemic has obviously taught us many, many things. But in, in terms of investment experience, it's been probably quite a useful thing to live through if you are now in markets for the next 30, 40 years. You, you've experienced this now. You know what loss feels like, and that can help you in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think many of us uh, will, because of COVID, come out more resilient about a whole lot of things because we've been under a lot of stress in the last year. And it hasn't just been investments. It's been investments in the economy and jobs and health and our social lives, etc., which always feels uh, stressful and not very pleasant at the time, but may actually make us more resilient in the long term. And, you know, there's this interesting parallel there. I've already said, you know, it's going like, like going to the gym and, and, and building muscles. When, when, you, when you exercise, for example, that's what you're doing. You're putting your body under stress in order that it can rebuild stronger. Not that I'm suggesting that anyone should go out and seek a, you know, seek a new pandemic in order to build up their emotional resilience. But I do think that um, reflecting on the experience of the past year, reflecting if you go through a time of market turmoil, and you have been anxious through that time, when it is over, take take time to take stock, take time to reflect and go, actually, in hindsight, was it as dreadful as, as I remember? And even if it was, well, the fact that we've got through it, can I use that to my benefit for the next crisis that we will have? And the thing about markets is we don't know when markets are going to drop again. But I can absolutely guarantee you that they will, right? So this is a completely predictable thing. We don't know the timing, but we know that markets will plummet at some point in the future. And because we know that for certainty, we can prepare ourselves. Uh, And in fact, we have no excuse for not preparing ourselves. So if you're an investor and times are going well, you need to be using that time, not just to enjoy it, but to actually start to prepare yourself for the the point where you are going to have to sit through the dip, because the dip will come. Make make hay while the sun shines, as they say. Um, Thinking about information and controlling the flow of information, which you talked about, um, does it depend kind of on the quality of the information that you're digesting to a certain extent? Because I'm thinking, you know, news reports say, you know, markets rise, markets fall, that's very stressful. But then, if you're thinking about what to invest in for the long term, then surely that's an opportunity where you know you, you do actually want as much information as possible about the long term trends for the underlying investment you're looking at. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm not trying to suggest that um, people should be ill-informed when investing, um, but there is uh, and quality is an interesting word um, because. Sometimes in, in, in investing information, quality and quantity are connected together. What you want to avoid is information that is too detailed and too short term. If what you're trying to achieve is to grow your wealth over the next five years, because you know, that's the, the that environment you've set yourself, then looking at day-to-day movements is irrelevant. It, it's all it's going to do is it's going to drive anxiety in a way that's disconnected from what you're trying to achieve. Also, you're trying to grow your wealth over the next five years. And that means looking at all of your investments together. Don't get too worked up about the granular detail of this one investment that only makes up 1% of your, of your portfolio, because of course, you have bought a nice diversified portfolio with lots of, lots of things in it. So the thing to avoid is is too much 
short-term granular detail. That is not to say that you shouldn't be informed about the broader trends and about um, the about the value of investing in the long term. So we need to just basically stay away from um, from lots and lots of short-term numbers with too many decimal points after it, because it is just spurious precision. It's stuff that that is is noise that if we were rational, we would just think it is noise. But because we're humans, our our brains can have emotional responses to things that even though we th- we know rationally those things don't matter to us, it still causes the unease. It still causes the, the slight queasiness. And then that leads us to act in a way that is uh, at odds with what we're trying to achieve in the long term. So put things in boxes and be aware that you're putting them in boxes, but also be aware that the, 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 the effect of putting them in a box doesn't mean that you're not going to respond emotionally um, to the information. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it is worth often having a, a sort of calendar for yourself. So investing, avoiding the information, avoiding looking at the markets every day doesn't mean that you shouldn't check in occasionally and make sure everything's on track and do a little bit of, of rebalancing, etc. But if you've timetabled that, if you go, well, I am going to make sure that you know, often New Year is a good time to do this. I'm going to you know, have a have a portfolio spring clean in January. And that's the time I'm going to sit down and see, take stock. Where am I now? How, how has my financial circumstances changed? What is what has my portfolio done? And you know it's going to happen every January. Then that actually takes the pressure off you feeling you have to monitor it the other 11 months of the year. Um, and having these things built into a systematic set of rules and to, into a calendar can help you to keep track of things at the right level of involvement and the right level of engagement such that you don't drain your emotional reservoir the rest of the year. I feel like everything you're saying is amounting to sort of personal discipline and routine and perspective and things that could apply to all sorts of aspects of our lives beyond the way we invest. It would be very useful. Yeah, I I think that's right. You know, good decision making, um, if we think about the psychology of decision making, it's by no means limited to, to finance. It comes to, you know, how we control our impulses if we're trying to diet or, or exercise or, or live a healthy life. And a lot of it comes down to, uh, am I avoiding the things that trigger me and that make me anxious in order to buy myself the, and we go back to the reservoir idea, in order to buy myself the resilience and, and the ability to, you know, to take the ups and downs along the journey and to stick with my program. And sticking with the program is is a vitally important thing, whether it is about a diet program or an exercise program or um, or indeed an investing program. Thank you very much, Greg. And thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. And of course, you can find lots more investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. We'll be back at the end of the summer holidays for the next Mind and Money. Bye for now.